So the last thing we mentioned yesterday was that they, the, the soldiers, the Cantonists built the shul in Moscow to daven in, and this, that's where the Shapiro brothers daven. So in 1855, after the Shapiro spent almost 14 years being, uh, you know, shipped around Moscow in different areas, Cesar Nicholas died, and his son, Alexander II, succeeded him and became the new Tsar. About two years later, after the Yom Nerayim of Tafresh Yud Zayin, so it's 1856, Reb Shmuel Abba, Says to his brother, our, our, all, our, these, all these situations, this whole situation is going to be shortly over. We're going to be freed this year. So the Pinchas asked him, how do you know? And the Shmuel Abba said, the Jewish soldier who serves as the prison guard was asked to be chazan for Ne'ilah. Right? The final tefillah of him, Kippur. And he agreed and he went, goes over to the Ahmed. And before he starts saying the Kaddish, before Ne'ilah, he pours out his heart to Hashem. And this is what I heard him saying. He says, What should I ask for? Should I ask for money? Why do I need money? This art gives me everything I need. Should I ask for health? What's that? How's that going to help me? So I can serve the czar for longer years? I don't need health. Should I ask for children? I'm already an older person. Who's going to raise them after I die in 10 years from now? Forget it. I don't need children. And he's basically, he's going through everything. I should ask for this, should I ask for this? And he's throwing everything away. No, no, I don't need this, I don't need that. And then he said, the only reason I'm davening is, or, is in order that Yiskadal v'yiskadash Shemei Rabba. Right, that the name of Hashem should be great and made holy. And, and the Rav Shmuel Abba said, his sincerity was so real that I knew immediately that his tefillah was accepted. And our, because our release from prison will glorify the name of Hashem like nothing else could do. So it's certain that we're going to be released this year. So this is how the, the story of their release. Count Vasilchikov, mentioned him a few times already, he was the one who wrote the original Harsh Gazeta accusations, whatever, against the uh, Shapiro brothers. Already in 1841, he started feeling, uh, he started having a little bit of guilt two years after the final decision was handed down. So at that time, he requested that the four officials who said that the Shapiro brothers were innocent, who were until now locked up in prison, that they should be let off. And this request was granted, and they were declared innocent, and they were put back to their original positions. Basically, it was admitting, it was the government admitting that no one murdered Laser, and, and the whole thing against the Shapiro brothers was a fake. But they weren't ready to release the Shapiro brothers, of course. Seven years later, in 1848, Count Orlov, was appointed as the new director of the third section. Right? So the third section we said was like the Tsar's KGB, the NKVD, same idea. Um, now, we spoke about the, the old head of the, uh, if you remember, anyone remember his name of the third section that we spoke about? Um, Count? 
Ben Benkendorf. Very good. So Count Benkendorf suddenly dropped dead one day. There's a whole story with Sema Sedek. We'll get to that later. Um, basically, Count Erlov took over. And he sent a petition to the Tsar to pardon the Shapiro brothers. However, um, so, so, so not, 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 not Erlov, Vasilchikov, this, the, the original guy who made all the problems. And the Tsar ignored him. And, I'm sorry, he sent it to Erlov. Vasilchikov sent this petition to Count Erlov. And Erlov said, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with this. If you want, you can give it to the king, to the Tsar himself. Short time after Tsar Nikolai died. So Vasilchikov wrote a long letter to the new Tsar. And a few months later, Tsar Alexander II granted them a pardon. Um, pardon means that he like forgives them, sort of, and, and they get released. And after being in prison for almost 22 years, they were now free to go home. Um, now, this is not from the time they were beaten, it's from the time that they were first arrested. Because from when they were first arrested, it took three and a half years till, the, till they got beaten. And then they spent uh, 16 years in Moscow, which was a total of a little over 21 years. So, Erech, 22 years. And now they're finally free to go home. And the Yidin throughout Russia rejoiced that the two tzaddikim were finally free. And they felt a strong sense of hope that this was a sign that the dark and terrible days of Tsar Nikolai and his uh, harsh gazetas against the Frum Yidin were over. Perhaps his new son, the Tsar, would be more compassionate to them. Now, in some ways, that was actually true. Um, in some ways. Uh, the, however, in other things, it was a little worse. Um, he, he made it worse for Chedarim, for example. But that's also not for now. Anyways, when a, there was a delegation of Yidin, they, they, they come to the brothers to tell them, good news, guys, you're free. And, and these, these, this whole delegation of, of the Yidin were shocked. Instead of, imagine you've just been in prison for 22 years, beaten beyond recognition, made to suffer for years, and then they let you know that you're getting out. What, what, how would you feel? Happy, right? Very happy. And instead of seeing joy and happiness on their faces, <clears throat> they noticed, they looked at Rav Shmuel's face and he looked worried. And they're like, why is he worried? This is great news. Um, and they asked him, Rav Shmuel, what's, what, what's going on? And he said, because now I'm going to be faced with a new test. I'm afraid that Yidin will consider me a simple Jew to be a tzaddik. And they're going to, man, they're going to demand and force me to become a good Yid. Right? A good Yid was a, 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 literally means a good Yid, a good Jew, right? But it was like a, the Polish way of saying uh, that that was not what they called the Rebbe. A good Yid. And, and I'm going to accept their, I'm going to have to accept their money and pidyonis, and I don't want that. Now, in general, Russia had not seen such a celebration for years. Gidim from the entire area, thousands, tens of thousands, they started traveling to Slavita and other cities throughout the, you know, wherever the, wherever the two tzaddikim would be traveling, they, they went there. And in every city and town, the brothers 
were greeted with celebration and trumpets were blowing as if like the king himself was coming to visit. And the towns where they stayed overnight, it was, it was lit up with so many torches that there was no like feeling of darkness at night. And the celebration and rejoicing was so much that people danced on their flat rooftops. And imagine you're a guy watching this, you see tens of thousands of Yidin just dancing around. So the final part of their journey began from the nearby city of Shitomer, where their sons had settled and opened up a new printing press during, during the time that their fathers were in prison. Um, now, like, like the way it was, like you would have thought a coronation was taking place. People lit torches on both sides of the road, and the brothers uh, were riding. Um, they, they, uh, they, they had. They were first. There were the whole group of Yidden riding on horses, followed by many wagons. And in Slavita, even the Goyim, including the highest officials of the city, came out to greet them, and they participated in the you know the simcha. There was never as many people in Slavita as there was at this time. Probably till today. <laughs> um, the crowd was exceptionally large as everyone wanted to see these two tzaddikim and, and possibly get a bracha from them. And it was so, it was so thick, the crowd, that it's, they, the brothers couldn't go anywhere because they're trying to get to their house. And as soon as one person comes to wish them you know, Mazdov and they ask for a bracha, another guy takes his place. So... Um, once the brothers entered, entered Slavita, and Slavita is not this massive city, it took them a few hours till they got into their home. Slowly, slowly, inch by inch, making their way. Um, so one of the brothers turns to the other and he says, obviously our Golos is not officially over yet in Shemayim, because there's a reason why Hashem is, not, is preventing us from going to our houses. Um, so when they entered the house, the first thing that Shmuel Abba said to the Pinchas, says, it's almost 22 years that I, that I haven't been home in. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that maybe we forgot some of our learning. That, that's what he's worried about. Maybe I forgot some of my learning after 22 years of being in jail. So after a moment's thought, he said, in my prime, when I was younger, I was fluent in the sefer called Maver Yabaik, which is a sefer that discusses the world to come. So a lot of stuff we say in the Mainalashen comes from Maver Yabaik. And he said, if I'm not mistaken, the last words are, lucky is the world that Hashem is your king. I want to see if I'm right. And he requests that the sefer should be brought to him and he opens it up and he saw that he was correct. And at that point, he was, there was great joy on his face. And he said, thank you, Hashem, that you, did not, that you did not allow me to forget your Torah. And only then did he turn to his family and start discussing uh, family matters.